Happy Tuesday. I hope you are teed up for some pro wrestling punditry because that's what we're serving up here today. Nice and hot. A big bowl of punditry on the Winkly. I am your host here, the managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, joined here as I am every Tuesday by our good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to the Winkly. A big steaming bowl of punditry, dude. I got it coming your way. <laughs> yeah, it sounds so appetizing when you say it like that. <laughs> So, so appetizing. Uh, well, we got a lot of fun stuff here planned for you today. Of course, we got all the news of the past five-plus days uh, because, of course, last Thursday we did uh, a pre-taped, just a, it's just a conversation really with me and the Patriot, Del Wilkes, we did there for the 4th of July. So go check that out if you haven't had a chance to listen to it. But here today we are going to deep dive into the news of the past five-plus days. And after Michael and I talked the news, you are going to get a 45-minute interview that I did with none other than former multi-time NWA champion, the subject of uh, the lo- the last of the Von Eric's Dark Side of the Ring episode. Of course, the sons Ross and Marshall just joined MLW. It is the master of the claw. Kevin Von Eric is going to be on the show today, Michael. That's a get, dude. How did you manage that one? I just wrote him. I said, hey, do you do you want to... Do you want to talk wrestling with me? And he knew the site. He knew me, uh, which is which is always nice to hear. And he said, absolutely. Let's talk some wrestling, Nick. And I got the verbal uh, after him because he enjoyed this interview so much. He said, you call me anytime, Nick. I am always happy to talk pro wrestling for you with you. So Flair said something very similar last week. This week, Kevin Von Erich, something very magical, I think, in the air right now for the Winkley. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's awesome that you guys could talk about the uh, Dark Side of the Ring series because uh, that series, if you've not seen it, has been nothing short of fantastic, and I, I just love what they're doing over there. So that's that's really cool, man. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one today. So check that out. Uh, but let's get to it here. News you can use. News to leave a bruise. I'm going to have to start the show today with a very rare retraction. I think in the entire history of me even doing the Winkly, I haven't had to issue an attraction quite yet. I'm pretty good uh, with my, my sources most of the time. But last week, we were on the last episode, last Wednesday, we were talking about the club's WWE status. And uh, I had seen the headline backstage news on the club's uh, 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 reported WWE status. I went over, do what I usually do. I cross-check it, pull it up online. Apparently, we had another article that had virtually the same headline from March of this year that said it was also a, a PWInsider.com report. So same source, virtually the same headline. Um, but this time, the one in March said the word was they were not resp- re-signing. So I read you a report from March uh, of this year that that said that the club was not going to be resigning. Of course, now here we are in July, and the Observer reporting uh, they have absolutely signed a new deal with WWE. Uh, Dave is reporting WWE is making bigger offers than people think, Gallows and Anderson being one of them. Uh, they previously turned down uh, deals worth a half million dollars a year, so WWE obviously upped the ante to keep them around. Uh, Meltzer also noted WWE isn't looking to lose anybody right now, and it's unlikely anyone's going to leave aside from disciplinary reasons. So we have to start with that story today because I screwed it up on the last episode. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, absolutely resigned. I'm a little surprised by this. Um, but, uh, I mean, it would explain the, the renewed interest of the club on WWE TV, I suppose. I guess it's both surprising and ultimately not surprising, right? Because these guys, especially in the last couple of years, have been dramatically underused, right? These guys offer so much 
to the roster. They can do so much. They've worked everywhere across the world. And you, you always wonder, why aren't they being used more? And it would make sense they might want to go somewhere else. The reports of them possibly leaving, you know, kind of get that renewal underneath them, going to a place like AEW. You're like, yeah, jazz about that idea, right? But then you see over the last month how they've been used on WWE TV, repairing them with AJ Styles, reforming the club. All of these things go together. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, this actually makes a whole lot of sense, right? These, these guys and these big money deals. Listen, if you don't follow these guys on social media, you don't know how often they talk about, um, you know, being out there, making this money, cashing that paycheck, Anderson especially. So it means a lot to get these big money offers. They got a little creative steam behind them. I, I would be hard pressed to imagine AEW would come anywhere near the kind of offer they were receiving from this company and take the money while it's out there. It won't be there forever. Yeah, I agree. This is there's never been a better better time to be re-signing right now with anybody with the money being thrown around. And I and I don't know what kind of money AEW is inherently throwing around. I mean, the cons got billions of dollars. They got more money than Vince. So I guess if they wanted to make that play, they could. But uh, yeah, probably a good deal for him. The, uh, these guys there. I know it was also noted. That, you know, the Revival, they recently re-signed as well, but they were looking to get featured more as a tag team act, which is why, you know, now they're a little bit more high profile working with Shane McMahon. With the club, it's not necessarily the same thing. It sounds like they want to work with AJ. They want to be with their friend. They want to bring the club to WWE. So that's what they're getting here. And if that's it, if that's if we're in for the long haul here of the club with AJ and, and maybe whoever else, maybe Finn Balor at some point, much better call. I, I mean, it's almost like a restart button. This is what everybody wanted to see as soon as these guys came in. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and to, you know, again, we talk about creative freedom and how much John Moxley's been able to do and how, how he was upset with the WWE system. But it's also worth mentioning not everything that happens inside the WWE system is bad. And sometimes these creative tweaks, uh, these kind of adjustments to pairings and things like that make the talent happy. Not everybody needs unlimited creative freedom out there. So, again, these guys finding a way to both get the money partner with somebody they've always partnered with and really enjoy in AJ Styles, stay under the same WWE umbrella. I think it's a win-win for all parties. Agreed. Uh, well, let's talk about uh, some more news here. Now that we got the club stuff out of the way, I felt awful about that. It was the last show I did, and I had five days off, and I'm sitting there <laughs> stewing on it. And I'm like, you you misled the people, Nick, on the club. You got you to immediately jump back on air and, and make this right. So I do sorry about that. I try my best to get the story straight here on the show. All right. Well, here's some stories I did get straight. The Observer reporting WWE is aware, apparently, that they have lost touch with the teenage demographic. There is concern they're going to completely lose teenage viewers when AEW launches later this year. This is the reason for the new edgier direction. Uh, you can expect more young talent to be called up to the main roster. Uh, that's why uh, Ricochet's there. Apparently, Heyman, big fan of Ricochet. That's why he's getting this U.S. title run. Uh, it's an attempt to connect with teenagers, putting putting a guy like him in a prominent position. Also, Heyman, apparently a big fan of the Street Profits, had a hand in bringing them to Raw. The Observer reporting Street Profits still technically NXT talent, but their raw appearances uh, are not. Uh, are, their raw appearances not been their official debut yet. So, uh, what do you make here of the reports that WWE worried about their connection with the uh, teenage demo? It's crazy to me in the last month or two how much of a turnaround we've had on the Vince McMahon story, right? You heard all of the bad buzz coming out of May when when John Moxley infamously went on the Jericho podcast and said Vince is out of touch, Vince is uh you know controlling everything, the writing teams and blah blah blah, and then it almost seems like there's this kind of weird awareness and self awareness happening inside the WWE confines right now where Vince McMahon is like, yeah, we're out of touch. WWE is like, yeah, we're out of touch. We need to change things up. You know, they hired Heyman, hired Bischoff. So it's just strange to me how all this is happening. 
I absolutely believe it is a result of AEW and competition being out there, but also, yes, dropping viewership on TV week by week by week. So interesting to hear all this kind of happening right now, but also their reaction to it, right? And it seems like they're finally taking the right reaction to it. Younger talent, right? Fans want to see younger talent up on the main roster. A guy like Ricochet finally being spotlighted. Of course, give the kudos there to Paul Heyman because Heyman obviously gets the people. And I think this is a smart move. Uh, And then the Street Profits, right? They've kind of been using this weird way. I think it's interesting here that they are technically still NXT talent because they are the reigning NXT tag team champions. And, you know, of course, the Viking Raiders had to give up the championship when they came up. So I'm oddly glad they addressed that small issue as well. So all these things, I think, are painting the right picture for this company as a fan. It's very encouraging, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Ricochet, he deserves this right now. He's coming across like a big star. Sure. Uh, the street, the street profits, though. I, I, I do. I, I mean, I have a little issue with how they're being used right now. I just it, every time I see them, just like every time on Raw last night, I saw them hockeying the extreme rules, putting over other people's storylines. It just, it felt like the B team selling Christmas merchandise to me. And I just, I don't. I mean, do you like the way that they're being introduced to the WWE audience doing this stuff? Because I'm not a huge fan, but I was uh, told by many people on Twitter last night, no, this is good for the street profits. I'm not so sure. I don't necessarily think it's the way I would have gone about it, right, if I'm fantasy booking in my own head. But I don't think it's bad either because you're getting them out there weekly. You're associating them with a lot of other really popular, high-profile stuff without having to feature them as in-ring talent. And I think what's cool about it is you are getting to see their personalities, which we don't always get when guys come up from NXT. So I think that's an interesting avenue to take with these two. Uh, it's not on the run sheet here, but uh, last night on Raw, they also introduced Cedric Alexander uh, and, you know, I guess a bit of a main event spot. He was in the main event of Monday Night Raw underneath a hood pretending to be a janitor with a limp. Um, he got his clock cleaned in about two minutes with a Claymore by Drew McIntyre. I don't really I don't know what the I don't know what the end of Raw accomplished. I'm confused. What did you make of the end of Raw? You know, it's strange because they did a lot of things last night that it felt like they were addressing ongoing storylines. We talked about the club earlier. They were furthering storylines in really meaningful ways. And this was a segment where I I don't get it. You know, they talked about it being Cedric Alexander very quickly, but it almost felt like a throwaway segment. And why would you bring him into that spot? And is he going to have an ongoing feud with these guys? Why would he partner with Roman Reigns? What happened to the janitor? Does he still get his $3,000 payday? $5,000 payday. $5,000 payday, right? Don't mislead the people, Mike. Cool. All right, go ahead. <laughs> he gets half of it because he put his face out there, right? So yeah. I thought it was a strange way to use that, uh, use Cedric Alexander there. I did not like that because I didn't think it did much for Cedric. It didn't make much sense all the way around. And and nobody I felt like looked good as a result of this other than Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. Yeah, I, I agree. And maybe that was the whole point. I, I just don't know why you didn't do something else in the in the main event. This felt like something to, to be in the middle of the show. I, I don't I don't really understand the point of what they were doing here. Um, this week's Raw I thought was good. Last week's Raw really grabbed a lot of people. I thought more headlines coming out of last week's Raw. Uh, Sports Illustrated reporting that WWE executives, most notably uh, Vince McMahon, were immensely pleased with the pacing, tone, and essence of last week's Raw. Um, Do you think I'm off here and say this week's Raw didn't, I mean, it it wasn't a bad Raw, but it didn't have quite the same bite to me. We still had a two out of three falls match that seemed kind of forced in there. A couple other things I thought felt a little wonky, um, like the Cedric thing at the end there. Um, I mean, how do you think they followed up the, the momentum of last week? That you step up. I mean, this is a step up from a month ago or two right, months ago, right? Sure. When we were having those really dark days of Raw. 
I think it was a step down from last week, like you said. The things that they're doing now, where they're addressing more of the storylines, and I, I always talk about how when you do these shows, the show has to have some consistency as far as it's got to tell a story, or each segment's got to further the storylines of those involved. And I think the show did that, right? Each segment kind of focused on an ongoing feud or an ongoing team, or even something like the Viking Raiders were spotlighted in a really positive way. So it seemed like all the segments kind of had some co co consistency, coherency. But I didn't like the pacing of the show from top to bottom. I, this weird mixed tag match to open it up where Becky, she won the first fall, but then she also couldn't wrestle anymore. That was strange. Yes. The two out of three falls kills the pacing for me. So those kinds of things felt like they were leaning back into their typical routine of the week, copy and paste the structure here. Let's make this show get together as quickly as we can, as efficiently as we can. But it did still have a little bit of that Paul Heyman influence where you're seeing not just things coming out of left field, at least they're building on what they've done in previous weeks. Sure, yeah. I, I was going batty during that opening <laughs> elimination mixed tag match because I, like you, confused uh, how the bout continued. Also, like I was wondering if uh, Andrade had beat Rollins. It's a, it's a best, it's an elimination, so each team would have eliminated one per. Does it go to a draw? Or right. does Becky... Does Becky get reintroduced back into the match with Zelina and we go for one final fall with everybody back in, involved? Yeah, it's it's bizarre, right? And it's again, they're they're really stretching the fabric of reality here to address the concerns about not wanting to wrestle during commercial breaks. And I think it's kind of bad. Uh, I know it's not kind of it's very bad. That right? was these a two rough out of three, one. That was rough. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. These two out of three falls matches. We have uh, weird breaks. I just think it's way too much bending to, to address something that was never a concern. So I wish they'd do away with that piece of it. So, uh, you know, I, I get Vince McMahon got it in his head some for some reason, but it just feels very, very forced. I like that. What I just said out loud had to have had to have been brought up in a, in a writer's room. And I would think that the reasoning was, well, we're not going to get to the third fall, so we don't need to worry about it. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. And maybe even if they just mentioned a commentary, it would have made me yeah. feel better. I was just so distracted by that. Anyway. They oh, never addressed it. They literally said, okay, this gets, you know, they have to tag out. But then they never addressed what would have happened in the situation. Every time I see Andrade now, by the way, I think about the interview I did with Ray a couple weeks ago where he said Andrade uh, feel, feels a lot like Eddie Guerrero, like when he would wrestle Eddie in the ring. And uh, I can't unsee it now. And I'm like so into Andrade at the moment. And I'm glad he's getting more exposure because I think he's I think he's great. I think he's I think that there's a lot there's a lot that he's going to he's going to do in his time in WWE. Well, and he's so young right now, too. He's still got so much to offer and so much growing to do. And you look at where he is now. This his future is incredible. What about what about what they did with Ray last night? WTF? I didn't get well, that. that's the other strange <laughs> thing, right? <laughs> I know this guy got killed last week in the opening match, but this week he's back destroying people. It, it makes Bobby Lashley, I'm sorry, the almighty Bobby Lashley look strong going into a big pay-per-view match. And obviously WWE thinks it's very high profile, so they want this to feel like a big deal. But why would you have Ray come out and give that heartfelt speech just to make him look like an absolute punk? There's a dozen other guys you could have done that with. <laughs> I don't get it either. Uh, well, back on track here, talking about WWE uh, losing touch with their t teenage demo here. Uh, of course, now we've got these new executive directors in, in place here. We've talked a lot about Heyman. Uh, Post-wrestling reporting last week at SmackDown, Eric Bischoff, the new alleged executive director, uh, possibly starting next week after Extreme Rules. It sounds like he wasn't even backstage uh, at SmackDown last week. Now, Heyman was backstage at SmackDown, but just in a character role, not in his executive director role. Now, the Observer reporting the addition of Bischoff and Heyman under their new role 
under their new roles was done for a variety of reasons. The key reasons were an expected negative reaction from Wall Street and the declining indicators of brand popularity, such as merch sales, arena attendance, and WWE network numbers based on the year before. WWE is guaranteed to be profitable through late 2024 due to the recent Raw and SmackDown TV deals, but the stock price is based on the idea that the SmackDown-Fox move will lead to a quote-unquote boom period where those business indicators will increase to much stronger levels. Uh, First of all, I think that, that we're still going to see that here. I go. I keep going back to the, the DDP comments that we had uh, earlier in the year where he said, you know, when WCW came along, people were worried you were going to split the ratings. Oh, less teenagers are going to watch WWE. They're going to go to AEW. And that's not what happened. Everybody saw a rise in the ratings. So I don't, I don't, I, I think that they're making some alterations here that I like. Some stuff is still a little off the rails for me in WWE world. But I think the investors, if that's what they're worried about, are going to get what they want. And, I get maybe as a Band-Aid right now to keep some some fire and energy on it. You drop Heyman and Bischoff's name in there, get some attention. But I think come October, this is a totally different story. I think everybody's doing here much, much better by end of October into November. Absolutely right. I mean, you talk about we've been in a lull period in pro wrestling for quite some time. It was just it was a ticket. Either the business was going to go away, right, or we were going to reenter another boom period. And I think that's definitely what we're heading towards. Give kudos to AEW for moving the needle on that. They've set up this great rivalry. It benefits everybody, especially the wrestlers and especially the fans. Right, wrestlers getting bigger paydays, the fans getting more creative uh, changes, more creative insight, more all this just great stuff happening for the product. And you know, the investors here, obviously, I think. They had a reason to be concerned. Look at the way the WWE brand has been positioned in the last couple of years as being, you know, dealing with Saudi Arabia. You bring this up all the time, right? That's a bad look for casual fans or, or fans like us, right? Uh, the 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 Wall Street moves here and there. You know, I, I wore my AEW hat. I had an AEW hat on this weekend. Second time wearing it. Somebody at the movie theater ran into me. Oh, that's an awesome hat, dude. Well, never had that happen wearing a WWE hat. So it just the brand recognition around AEW and what is lacking in WWE has become very evident. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Finish. finish. I was going to say, but to your point, though, this competition raises the stock of professional wrestling as a whole. I think you're right. Bringing new fans into the fold. You know, we've said before, AEW pulling in different fans, not just WWE fans. So we're growing the business. And that's going to mean, I think, good things for everybody moving forward. Yeah. Uh, And by the way, uh, on the note, if I ever see anyone in public wearing a wrestling shirt, I will tell them how awesome I think their shirt is and and the person on it. And sometimes in ways that catch them off guard. And uh, one time I, I said to a guy, he was wearing a burn it down shirt. And uh, I was like, hey, I really like your Seth Rollins shirt. And his wife, girlfriend, whatever that he was with, hit him and said, you told me that that wasn't a wrestling shirt. You're not allowed to wear <laughs> wrestling shirts in public. <laughs> oh, man, you, you outed his spot, dude. He was, Way a, to go. He was upset. But if I see you in, in wrestling gear, I will, I will compliment you. Anyway. But it's, it's, it's like the NWO thing back in the day, right? You go back to the 90s. It was cool for a minute or two. It was really cool to wear NWO gear until Austin 316 and all that kind of took over the cool wrestling gear. AEW has that spot right now, right? It's wrestling gear is wrestling gear, but not everything is cool wrestling gear. And I think WWE has got to work some to get some of that momentum back behind them. But making the product more engaging is the first step towards doing that. Yeah, WWE shop. You know, it's been a joke here for a little while on the IWC, you know, over on the, uh, the wrestling Twitter and all that about some of WWE shops, recent designs, some of, you know, I don't think we can get enough bold face font t-shirts uh, anymore in <laughs> WWE. But, you know, I will say this. 
the revival dropped a new shirt in the last day or so and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool it's like a, a mustard yellow and it's got an old school kind of 1970s era revival logo on the front i dig it i think it's a nice one so step and up. say what you will about main roster shirts nxt has been delivering some bang up designs for quite some time now undisputed era probably the best yep. logo in all of uh wwe at the moment so uh, anyway back to bischoff and Heyman here uh booker t on his podcast heated conversations with brad gilmore by the way friendswood texas right down the road from where i grew up they gave uh, Booker T and Brad Gilmore their own day recently. They were they were honored by the city. So congrats <laughs> to Booker and Brad. I thought that was very cool. Uh, but anyway, Booker commented on a Bischoff signing saying he is never going to get another chance like this ever in a lifetime. I mean, he slipped on a banana peel to become president of WCW, then to get dropped in his hand, uh, then to get this dropped in his hand. Paul Heyman made ECW a legitimate company by doing the right things and taking them in the right directions. They gave the fans what they wanted to see. They had it all. The war could be over before it even starts. He did also note that Eric, you know, was moving to Connecticut and taking all this very seriously. Uh, Booker, by the way, on another Booker T note, uh, the Observer reporting uh, that, well, first of all, Booker announced that he has pulled out of StarCast 3. The Observer reporting Booker was supposed to appear at that and uh, uh, maybe even at All Out, but found out there was a real war brewing here between WWE and AEW, uh, hotter than he expected. He didn't want to get in the middle of it. Um, and uh, Booker, I guess, according to the Observer, is, is saying that WWE should, uh, it, he's expecting a major counter from WWE here soon. Now, Booker's supposed to comment on more on this StarCast, why he pulled out, but I don't I don't believe he has a, as of yet. But anyway, yeah, these comments here about Bischoff, uh, you know, last week we were talking about how people that had worked in TNA uh, backstage with Eric, which Booker T was there, were, were you know, were, were beside themselves that this man had been given this new creative decision. Um, very, I mean, just shocked to hear him say that out loud, especially with with his position. I wonder, you know, how much of that is uh, reflecting backstage right now. That's cold, brother. I mean, that, that is That was cold. Slipped. That was ice cold, right? <laughs> slipped on a banana peel to become president of WCW. My God. And then he has, then he, then he defends Heyman. And he's like, this guy gets it. This is, this war may be over before it even starts. It creates an interesting dynamic of Booker T is committed to doing more stuff with WWE moving forward and kind of aligning himself with them. You know, I, I'm glad to hear Bischoff's taking it seriously. I think you and I have talked about this in the show before that Bischoff creatively, he's kind of been hit and miss. You know, people think he at one point was the guy that saved WCW and went up against WWE, but also he used those same ideas to bring that product back down to his knees and blame whoever you will. Right. But some of that was Bischoff's influence and that's neither here nor there, right? It's 20 years later. Uh, he's a different person than he was back then. He has more experience. So I, I get why WWE would go after him. He's got name recognition. He's aligned with the Attitude Era. Unlike many other people, he was the counterpoint to Vince McMahon for years. So I think all of that makes sense. But there's also some truth here, right? Paul Heyman, while he ECW was never as big as WCW, Paul Heyman made ECW a legitimate threat without Ted Turner's money. And that says something. He brought up talent and he has ways of looking at the product that nobody else in the history of the business has had. Right. And that's, that's all just props. To, no offense to anybody props to Paul Heyman for doing all of that. So it is going to be interesting moving forward. Uh, Booker T here pulling out of Starcast three. I hate to hear that as well, but you know, I can see why he's like, I don't want to get in the middle of this uh, WWE and AEW going after each other. I don't want to pick a side here and be on the wrong side of this. So. Yeah. Well, he pick a sides here too. He's picked the, obviously picked the Heyman side, right? Right. You know? Right. 
which is shocking here, considering that you know his legacy was largely built in, in WCW in the early days. So, but but if you look at what he went through, I mean, again, we don't know all the ins and the outs. But I'm just I just recently watched this for whatever reason, Bash at the Beach 2000, where he won the the world championship for the first time, and that very much felt like a you know a middle finger to Bischoff because Bischoff had never given him that spot in favor of guys like Hogan and so on and so forth. So maybe there is some you know Booker T was the first guy when Eric Bischoff signed with WWE and came on screen for the first time it was Booker T who saw him backstage. So it's it's, it's an interesting history here. But you imagine there's a little bit more going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I just I had to read that quote out loud because I like you was like damn ice cold. Yeah. Uh, well, Kofi Kingston announced at a WWE live event on Monday night that he couldn't compete on the show due to injury, but he said the injury had happened the night before during a win over Ziggler in Birmingham, but it, uh, but he would be ready for Sunday's Extreme Rules pay-per-view, indicating just a minor injury. Uh, I kind of half wondered if the, the mask gimmick at the end with Roman wasn't supposed to be Kofi, getting one over maybe at the last minute, and they were going to book it a little bit different, and since Kofi couldn't do it, they're like, well, we can't have Cedric getting the same payoff, so we're just going to claim more in the face. But I saw a lot of fans on social media saying that's going to be Kofi Kingston under that hood, and, and of course they, they, they swerved it and did went the Cedric route. It's so funny you say that because at first I thought it was Kofi. Like I forget whatever move he did. He did a move that was very similar to one in Kofi's arsenal, and I was like, huh, is that Kofi? Similar body shape, right? Similar style of working. Uh, a lot of you know very nuanced differences there. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I, I thought for a hot minute it might be Kofi, and that would have made a lot more sense than the Cedric Alexander thing. So um, interesting. It's good to know though that he's not going to be injured for the pay per view because I think there's a lot of hype around this Kingston Samoa Joe match, and I am super pumped to see it. We got some news about Mike and Maria Canellis. This was Wrestling Inc. exclusive over the past couple days. Uh, Mike and Maria uh, they signed their new deals in June of this year. Uh, they did not find out they were pregnant until about two weeks ago, though. So this was after they had signed their contracts. They found out they were pregnant. Uh, apparently, WWE was aware that Mike and Maria wanted another child when they were offered their new deals, and the company is apparently trying to make the environment their environment more modernized for working mothers. That includes having a room for young children at the four major pay-per-views, as well as scheduled time off for family events. Maria writes the following on Twitter. At the end of the day, WWE was where I started. It's where I wanted to complete my career. And when they came to the table with the opportunity to have a family and career, it sealed the deal. People think they know everything, but it's all in the details, to which a fan responded. No, people think that because you spent months complaining about WWE, to which Maria countered. I'll still complain. I have freedom of speech. I also have the ability to change things by using my voice, i.e., first women to sign a contract with ROH, first women to work long-term with New Japan, etc. You may not like it. But I don't do it for you. So, uh, yeah, very compelling here. Interesting to hear WWE stepped up. I wonder if Stephanie McMahon, uh, as as Ric Flair said a couple weeks on the show, or stepping aside to be more with her family, uh, I wonder if that hasn't influenced at all the, the culture of how women and mothers are treated in WWE. Well, you, you got to love this, right? Because, again, Maria, it sounds like here, obviously, she went to, she was very vocal about her complaints. But also she used her platform to make the business not only better for herself and her family, but for all women. And and yes, she she was complaining, but she still has that influence. And I think that's a very powerful thing to do, right? So kudos to her for doing that. When you talk about WWE being a more corporate entity than someplace like AEW, right? All the bad things that go with it, hierarchy and suits and ties and Wall Street, all that jazz. The thing that it does help them do, though, is make better decisions 
for their talent as far as families, giving them space backstage for kids because they have the infrastructure there to support initiatives that are more quote unquote HR focused. So, um, you know, I, I'm glad to hear WWE, maybe to your point, it's, it is an influence from Stephanie McMahon wanting to spend more time with her children. Either way, I'm glad yeah. for the people that work in the company and for the business as a whole. Yeah. And I, and I wonder how much further they take it here. You know, they say they've got the, the room for young children at the big four pay-per-views. I would imagine these the the crew would enjoy maybe all the Raws and, and SmackDowns also have a, a place where they can drop their children off to be uh, taken care of while they while they do their job. Just a thought. I don't know. Uh, I do wonder how inclusive it does get. And and I think uh, keeping talent happy. You know, before everybody just wanted a big payday. I think there's going to be more of this stuff we see in this this new era we're headed into. Um, uh, it's a changing workforce. People like her, but everybody, they want more contentedness and more work-life balance than they did 20 years ago. Yes. Uh, well, we got some updates here on Extreme Rules coming out of Raw last night as well. Bailey's now going to defend her SmackDown Women's Championship in a two-on-one handicap match against Alexa and Nikki Cross. Uh, uh, last night, Nikki and Bailey had a beat-the-clock challenge of which Nikki Cross got the better of Bailey there and a, and a quicker win. Uh, Sarah Logan took on Bailey. I thought it was maybe one of the best uh, outings Sarah Logan's had on TV so far. Uh, given a, a single spotlight, and uh, I thought Nikki looked really good here. I think it's compelling. I think that the the dynamic between her and Alexa will be very interesting in Extreme Rules because you know what if Nikki pins Bailey here and takes the title? I I, I I'm I'm inter- I'm on the hook for this one. I like where they're going. You got a lot of different directions you can go, and this is a testament to good storytelling. Which is, as a viewer, we don't feel like we know exactly what's going to happen next. It keeps you keeps you interested. Yeah, and I wonder if the swerve here isn't that you know Nikki's going to get the pin, and you know I I wonder if they Nikki does pull a helpless Alexa onto the top of Bailey and gives her the win, you know, and they just keep going with this, which I think would be you know maybe a, a better choice to to drag this out a little bit here, and you could pull that switch whatever you want. I I just I'm, I'm just now getting heated up on this. I don't know if I immediately want to see Nikki and Alexa go at each other's throats, you know. Well, and it does. It's done so much, right? I like the idea here of Nikki and Alexa kind of teasing this out even more before you turn that feud on, but it's done so much for Nikki Cross. And now coming out of this, if they continue down this path, Nikki Cross is going to look like a million bucks, whatever she goes on to do next. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braun Strowman and Lashley are going to take a face off in a last man standing match uh, to follow up on their big spot from last week on raw, where they destroyed the stage. Um, this will be fun. Uh, you know, I'm just uh, surprised because there have been reports that Braun was going to maybe uh, rest up a little bit. I guess he'll have had two weeks here to, to heal up from some nagging injuries, but you know, two big men clobbering each other at Extreme Rules. I would not be surprised to see this match be a lot shorter than any of us expect it to be. <laughs> okay. And you think Lashley just destroys Braun? Uh, you know, opposite momentum, right? WWE historically does that, where the guy who gets the pickup on the show before loses. So maybe they let Braun get the win here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're. I think you might be right and onto something here. If Braun really does need to go away for a little bit, and you want to create a a new monster. Yeah, Lashley doing something to pin the big man down, drop him under a forklift, whatever you got to do. Uh, I, you know, makes sense. I get it. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Paul Heyman has revealed that Brock Lesnar will be in the building for Extreme Rules this Sunday. Uh, he's teasing there's going to be a cash-in. Um, what do you think? Is this where they pull the trigger at Extreme Rules? I don't think so. They left it so wide open, but then again, you, you know, you miss it, and then you tune in Monday night. Oh, I should have tuned I, You know, they, they actually did it, right? I love the way they set this up, though. Kudos to the team, because... They didn't, and I'm sure this was Paul Heyman's mastermind here, just assuming, but they don't promise something and then not deliver like they've done multiple times in the past. They say it might happen. It could happen. Look, he's going to be in the building. Great tease. No guaranteed promise, so you don't feel pissed off as a fan. Love it. What a way to use Brock Lesnar now. It's gone from having short matches to not even have to have matches. He just has to exist 
with a briefcase, and it's enough to <laughs> put a shadow over whatever match is going on and create more interest. So, uh, very interesting. Uh, the Observer uh, reporting: WWE officials not happy with independent wrestling star David Starr stomping on the WWE UK Championship during a match against Walter at OTT in Dublin. Walter and Starr apparently made the call to shock people live, knowing it would get over in a big way. Uh, the reaction from within WWE apparently was not positive as many wrestlers thought it was disrespectful and the higher-ups weren't happy either i haven't seen the video of this but you know i you know i'm pretty sure it is what it is uh yeah i could see why i could see why that why there'd be people unhappy and that makes me upset because i'm a big walter fan and i would hate to see this uh, affect whatever you know momentum they have for this guy i'm not a wrestler never have been a wrestler so take what i'm about to say with a grain of salt but i really dig kind of outside the the box storytelling like this you know obviously it was their plan they go into this they deliver on it it does shock it gets a reaction and they didn't throw it in a trash can i know it's stomping on it i don't know i'm not as upset about this as lots of other people because yes the strap represents something very important but also a heel would not care about what it represents because he's only concerned about himself in this case david Starr. so you're not wrong and look david Starr is getting a lot of attention these days He, he says controversial things he's gone after ring of honor wwe for different for different high level issues so this is just part of his gimmick here and you know it may be the most in tune with the audience of of any gimmick and maybe just ahead of its time i think and maybe in some ways a little pillman-esque if that makes sense sure yeah uh it looks like sasha banks is in japan after a number of wrestlers have tweeted out photos of them hanging out with w with uh with sasha sasha banks around japan uh banks uh worked out with tokyo tokyo yoshi pro wrestling's Rika Sake, uh, he she had dinner with pro wrestling Noah's uh, Naomaji Neom- Marafuji <laughs> and hung out with Mino Shirakawa. Tried my best. You get a, you need a pay raise for that <laughs> one, dude. I do. I need to slow down. Um, but uh, you know, interesting banks over there in Japan right now. Of course, you know with what they had happen with uh, Nikki and Alexa telling Bailey maybe she needs to find a friend to have her back. A lot of people speculating maybe they bring Sasha back. Sasha Banks back here at Extreme Rules, but uh, I don't know. I, what, what, what do you think we can glean here from Sasha Banks hanging out with a bunch of Japanese talent over in Japan? I think she's just working people. I honestly think Sasha Banks is at this point where she knows anything she does is going to get people speculating and thinking and whatever else. So I think she's just working us all. Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting the road dog. Brian James is currently teaching character development and his new full-time role with WWE. All of the WWE developmental talents that were assigned to classes being taught by indie wrestling veteran Mike Quackenbush last week were reassigned to James's class. So uh, a great, great spot for him. I got the chance to work with Road Dog a couple times on the indies. Uh, he was never shy about the fact that, you know, Billy, Billy Gunn was the workhorse of the team and he was just kind of the character guy that got everybody going. I mean, he did, he had his, you know, whatever, five, seven moves. He got it every time that everybody. <laughs> pump handle slam. Yeah. Punch, 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 shake, punch. Shake, rattle, roll, drop the elbow. You know, Road Dog, you know, he's never really tried to say that, you know, he was the workhorse of that team. Always gave the credit to, to Billy Gunn. So I think this is a great spot. I think he'll be he'll be fantastic in this role. I'm excited to see him in this role. Yeah, I dig it. You know, this is what I always say. People are all like, we don't need writers in wrestling, but I do think creative people who can add value to the product have a spot, and somebody like Road Dog definitely is that kind of person. 
Uh, the Observer reporting AEW Fighter Fest had 140,000 people average uh, minute rating tuned in to watch. So per minute, the average was about 140,000 people. Uh, there were 350,000 people in total, not counting people who uh, not counting people twice who checked in at some point live to see what was going on. Uh, the BNR Live app had about 300,000 new subscribers signed up in advance of Fighter Fest. The initial goal was to be around 110,000 signups. So by internal expectations, it looks like AEW did triple what was expected of them. So just more good news here in the numbers department for AEW. Yep. Yeah. Positive positive momentum there. That's a, those are good numbers, guys. And, and it's not only right now, they're going to build on that next week. How many million subscribers does WWE Network have? Uh, one point. It's like 1.5 to 1.8. I, th- I think they're not. I don't think they're at two quite yet, but they're in the. Yeah, upper. not not apples to oranges. Just interesting numbers that they're around. Uh, fair game with Christine Le- Leahy uh, caught up with the uh, former WWE Women's Champion AJ Lee, who said never said never say never regarding another run in pro wrestling. Uh, what do you? I think we see her in AEW at some point. What do you think? I think it would be great if you were able to sign. I hate to align her with CM Punk, but it's the natural thing to do, right? Align her with CM Punk. If you were to have CM Punk and AJ Styles both debut for that company. AJ Lee. AJ Lee. You said Styles. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. AJ Lee. Yes. If you were to have CM Punk and AJ Lee both debut for that company, um, that would be huge. I think if she does sign up, though, I think it's going to be – I just see them as such a unit now, right? You hear so much about them, and, and in my mind, I you know. Not that she wouldn't have a great singles run on her own there, but I think AEW goes after both of them. But on her own, she has so much to offer. I always felt like her career was cut a little bit short. We never got to see the full potential of what she could do. Yeah, well, I I do love the idea of maybe a CM Punk appearing at the end of uh, All Out and attacking John Moxley, who ended double or nothing with the surprise attack there. Wouldn't that be great? Do a little Mm. round robin. Um, Impact Wrestling, uh, they had their Slammiversary pay-per-view over the weekend. There was a bunch of news coming out of the show. Uh, Rhino apparently appeared under a hood. We say apparently because he was under a hood. Gord Michael Elgin following his match against Brian Cage at Slammiversary. Uh, He is apparently still under, I guess, WWE contract, I think, for another week or so. But uh, there's not expected to be any repercussions. Rhino's, of course, worked for years uh, with Impact Wrestling in the past. Um, I guess since he was under a hood... You know, you you could do things, but uh, (laughs) uh, I thought this was great. I'm happy for Rhino. I I, I think this is going to be a, you know, there's a lot of ECW guys. You got Dreamer backstage right now. Um, RVD is there. I think this is a good spot for him. I hope he has fun, you know. Good style matchup there, too, size-wise, all that kind of stuff. Somebody's interesting theory about maybe at the next show, somebody else comes out in the hood and Rhino gourds them, and it turns out, you know, there's fun ways you can play with this, too, moving forward. Uh, the Friday before Slammiversary, uh, Impact Wrestling presented Bash at the Brewery, and the North captured the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Championships from LAX. Uh, on that note, the Observer reporting LAX, uh, that was their final match with Impact. That was at Slammiversary and that triple threat. Uh, both are being looked at by AEW and WWE. Uh, I thought this was a smart move on a variety of levels. The North is just a great tag team. Uh, Josh and Ethan work so well together. Uh, old school, ground and pound, bad guys. Uh, I think definitely the right guys to carry the titles in this moment. And also, I like doing the title change at the Bash of the Brewery. They've started doing these kind of B-show pay-per-view events on their Impact Plus platform. A great way to get people to tune into those because you know things like a title change might actually actually happen on one of these shows. Absolutely. And and a lot of momentum there just around doing secondary shows on the same weekend of another show. I think it's really cool. 
Uh, PWInsider.com reporting Johnny Impact is now officially done with Impact following his X Division loss to Rich Swan at Slammiversary. Impact's contract expired weeks ago, but he agreed to stay on through the match with Swan at Slammiversary. Uh, there is talk about him possibly resigning with Impact. Of course, his wife, Taya Valkyrie, retained her knockouts title in a Monsters Ball match at Slammiversary. Uh, she is believed to be signed through the end of the year. Uh, you know, he's almost 40 years old. This guy, Johnny Impact, you know, John Hennigan, he's made movies. He's been on reality shows like Survivor. Uh, definitely a commodity. I think, I mean, in the landscape, I mean, I could see him at AEW, but I feel like he's a WWE guy that would maybe benefit more uh, doing a run there for, for a couple years. I, I don't know. I think if you were to talk about Johnny Impact going to WWE, you'd have to talk about his wife going there as well. And I think you might would want to be a package deal there just because working together with your spouse in the same company has a lot of benefits. True. But I agree with you. AEW is not his calling card at this point. I think you put him on WWE, pairs up again with The Miz, you do something there. A lot of, a lot of angles you can go with. But I also think Johnny Impact loves the freedom he's had since working the indies and working with with this and Lucha Underground and elsewhere. So maybe you don't because he's done Survivor. He could have never done that if he was in WWE. He's yeah. done movies, everything else. Yeah, and you know, I wonder how he would be as a top guy in like a Ring of Honor. You know, um, I, again, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see where he goes. Uh, Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard closed out Slammiversary with a much-praised intergender match. Go out of your way to find this one. This was great. Callahan won the match. Uh, the Observer reporting the reason Blanchard and Callahan main evented this show. It wasn't even their world title. It was this intergender match. was because the Impact sees Blanchard as a huge star for the company. Now, the plan was always to have Callahan win, but by presenting her in this main event, looking as tough as she was, uh, did a lot for her. Apparently, Impact wants to avoid the reaction for Tessa that Roman Reigns has received in the past when he was pushed to the point that fans rejected him. They want to avoid Blanchard uh, getting that reaction, so having her lose this match should quell that response a little bit, uh, but she's still being put over by having a strong showing by against Callahan. All the right moves were made here. Couldn't uh, I couldn't agree more with the, the logic behind it if it's the case. Just great stuff here, I thought. I thought from Impact. Just great stuff. Yeah, I love the I love putting a woman, you know, putting Tessa Blanchard out there as kind of a big person you're pushing. I think it's, it says it sends the right message to the locker room and to the entire landscape of professional wrestling. But also, yeah, this card top to bottom, not enough good things can be said about what Impact Wrestling is doing. Such a talented roster, yeah. and while their production values are a few steps back from where they were five, six, seven years ago, the everybody in that company is putting everything they have into making it the best possible wrestling experience it can be. And I think it's going to pay huge dividends coming Bound for Glory October 20th in your hometown. I think that's going to be a, a big show. It's going to be bigger because this show is so good. Yeah, and you say Bound for Glory coming to my backyard of Chicago here on October 20th. Man, what a great time. For Chicago Pro Wrestling, you got Bound for Glory coming to town. You got uh, uh, you got Survivor Series coming to town. Uh, you got All Out coming to town. I mean, this is just a lot going on here. It's very, I don't even have to travel. Just stay here. Bring the rust I mean, to me. North Carolina's getting the what do we uh, the WWE pay per view in September, I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Damian Sandow has announced the following on Twitter. Well, you might as well hear it from me first. I'm here in Toronto at Battle Arts Academy. I attended a wrestling show, and I had an epiphany. I've been gone for two and a half years. Look what happened to the world. Look what's happened to the business. The world needs me, and the business needs me. So tonight, the Millennial Slayer was born. Stay tuned. He will take on, I guess, Millennial Timothy Connor at Battle Arts Pro event on July 13th. This is, of course, uh, the company that is run by Santino Morella. Welcome back, Sandow. I welcome you with open arms. I welcome the Millennial Slayer. 
Interesting new character, but super excited to have Sandow back into the fold. He he had so much to offer. I, I still love the feud he had with Cody Rhodes about five years ago, whenever it was. Such a great, fun brother versus brother feud. And I hope we get to see him maybe mix it up in AEW. Who knows if WWE would want him again? But um, somewhere other than Impact, been there, done that. Let's let's see him go elsewhere and spread his wings. John Moxley uh, over the weekend answered the cr- the open challenge of Killer Cross at an FSW event uh, in Vegas. The match ended in a no contest with both beating up uh, all whole bunch of security guards. Moxley said Cross has earned his respect and he wants to finish this match down the road. Now, of course, Killer Cross is still currently with Impact Wrestling. He competed against Eddie Edwards in a in a brutal uh, first blood match at Slammiversary. But, you know, a lot, you know, he's been outspoken as well, or, you know, he hasn't necessarily been happy there. Who knows where he could wind up? Looks like he's got the seal of approval here from the hottest uh, free agent on the market, or not free agent, the hottest wrestler on the market, John Moxley. So, cool. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. I like this. Great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great pairing. Killer Cross gets a huge rub from this, and the possibility of them feuding elsewhere, maybe in AEW, possibly in a neutral zone where you have an impact guy go up against an AEW guy would do a lot for the business. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Ross. Well, Ross and Marshall. Let's see. They're they're tag. They just finished tagging with Lawler and, and MLW. And uh, no, how did you like the match? I, I thought it was great. How I, mean, you like- I thought it was great. I did too. I, yeah, I did too. I thought it was a it was a pull apart, you know. And so they're all they're usually just uh, you, you don't know who to watch. You know, it's uh, it's mayhem, chaos. But uh, I thought that evidently these these two guys were like. Uh, just really running roughshod over everyone. That's kind of what the doctor ordered. So yeah. we'll see. But I believe that it's going to be a good, uh, a good, a really good relationship. I'm, I got a good feeling about this company and all of wrestling today. The way the young guys are so hungry, they want to. Uh, there was indie indie guys too. I mean, they're getting some respect. And you know, there are some guys out there that don't deserve, but then there are a lot of guys that do too. You know, there are guys that are just not picked up that have a lot of talent. And so I'm glad to see the day like this come. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, we've already kind of started conversing. Do you mind if we just roll right into the interview? Is that all right? Oh, sure. I thought we were, Nick. No, yeah. no, I thought I, we were I, too. It feels like it. So I'm going to say right now, uh, my guest at this time, the man you've been hearing right now talking to you uh, with me is the, of course, the former multi-time NWA champion. He's a WWE Hall of Famer, Kevin Von Eric. Kevin, I usually do the big spiel at the top, but I'm already I'm already so into the conversation. We we just got to keep this going here. Um, you know, <laughs> you, no, Nick, I thought you were a reporter. I didn't know we were going to do a radio show, so I wasn't ready for it. So I'm ready for a radio show. Let's go. No, no, that's that's fine. Well, all this stuff's going to get written up anyway. I always keep the we release the. I mean, you know, use every part of the Buffalo that kind of deal. So we'll get the audio out there in the podcast, and we'll write up your your comments for posts and everything. But man, it is just Kevin. It is so cool. To hear you talking about independent pro wrestling, talking about your sons, Ross and Marshall, uh, working with MLW here. You know, you already had some really nice things to say about MLW. But before we, you know, before we get back to that, you know, just in general here, you know, how has it been uh, watching your sons, Ross and Marshall, uh, get into the business of pro wrestling? Were you hesitant to, to let them take this route in life? Well, I'll tell you, Nick, for me, it's just been great. I, I, I was telling you earlier that I did have a really positive outlook on the way indie wrestling is looked at now i mean there was a time when it was just so uh it was just uh the guys weren't uh they they they, they couldn't carry the load now that now i see a lot of guys that can now there are guys out there that can't but i it's i think it's a good it's a great uh atmosphere for a young guy today because it is wide open again and it's this is when this is the things like this conditions like this is 
when wrestling can really blow again, really take off, really blow up again. And Nick, I say that because I remember when I was young, how this was where to me, wrestling was kind of in a rut. It looked like it was back then. I'm talking back in 76, 75, uh, 77. I got, I came in in 79, I think, but, uh, wrestling was kind of in a rut and, uh, and in a way you could feel it. It was just a, uh, um, a malaise kind of, you know, it was not, but then when my brothers and I got in with young, we weren't the first, we were the first young guys to really get in and, and work on top, you know, and it's, it, we, it, it was hard work, but it was, uh, but it was a new day, you know, and we brought a new, a crossover crowd with us. It, it, they quit selling so much beer and, uh, and, uh, tacos and burgers and it was more candy and cotton candy because a lot of kids were coming and and especially young girls you know and so it, it was a a different crowd that they had and i think nick i really think that day is coming back i think that it's going to be really exciting for the fans now it's, it's interesting to hear because obviously you were you were picking up the torch of the von eric legacy now now your sons are picking up the torch of the, the von eric legacy here you know what advice are you giving to them right now about dealing with the pressure of, of the last name well, uh, you know, there's really no advice you can give on that, Nick. It's it's pressure, and it's really good for you, believe it or not. It's like it might keep you up at night. It might interfere with your your concentration on the few d- days before the show. You might get nervous and all, but it's really good to have that pressure because you produce under pressure. I mean, diamonds come from pressure, you know. It's a, it, it's a good thing for the boys. I, what I tell them is at this stage of your career, don't pick up bad habits. You know, you learn from everybody you wrestle. I've had them go. I try to make sure they've got a, my father's a father as a professional wrestler and a father. And I want them to have a diverse um, repertoire. You know, I want to be able to wrestle uh, and go South Africa or, or, or India and be able to leg wrestle with anyone or to go to the Middle East and be able to do throws above the waist, the catchers catch can style, all the different types of wrestling. I want them to know a little of everything. And then when they're in the ring with someone, they've got, they can surprise them. And that's what's important. When you're in the ring with a pro, you've got to give them something they're not used to. I mean, you want to kill a king, you've got to kill a king. That's what boys know. And so that's their, you know, that's kind of what they shoot for. They want to make a name for themselves. And to do that, you've got to be patient and you've got to take the good and leave what's not good. But it's all a learning experience. Now, you talk a lot about the different styles uh, you, you want your boys to, to pick up here. So they were very well-rounded. You know, in general, the style of pro wrestling has evolved quite a bit, obviously, since the 70s and 80s and even the 90s. I mean, what do you think of the the current style of, of professional wrestling? Well, I think it's changing all the time, you know, but Nick, it's, it, it's kind of like, it, it, I think it's natural. It's uh, everything changes, but it's not going to change to the point. It's, uh, you know, I thought, the, for instance, I, I don't like the idea of, uh, of, uh, barbed wire or broken glass stuff like that in the ring i, I want to get in the ring i want to beat my opponent that's what my dad taught me to do you know get in there with all that junk and so that's a there, you know there's take the good leave the bad there are some things that you know that i'm sure there's a demand for it but you know you don't want to risk losing your eye and something like that or you know just there's just better ways to to make a living so i'm opinionated on some things i'm a puritan i suppose on my wrestling but you know that's just the way you know the way i'm made and uh and that's all I know to teach my sons is the, uh, is what I've learned. And so now I don't think I'm doing them wrong. I'm just teaching what I know and it's, it'll, 
I'm sure they'll be better for it. Now, no, I under, I totally understand the stuff about the glass and the barbed wires, and there's definitely a market, like you say, right now for that. But just in general, the the quicker pace, the the high, you know, I feel like there's more flips, right? That's what they say. It's so much more flippy. It's so much more gymnastics oriented now. Are you a fan of that, or do you push your your boys to to wrestle more traditional? style well yes and no nick yes and no remember now my brothers and i were telling you earlier we wanted to change this business we really did and we were on the way to doing it but we wanted to make it faster we wanted to make it more aggressive and about two times or three times more intense we wanted uh we we weren't so stuck on 30 minute matches and even 20 minute matches 15 minutes is a good time for a match 20 minutes is, is you know perfect if you know what you're doing but uh quality not quantity. I wanted the. Uh, I want the. Uh, we loved uh, professional football, the slow motion, the collisions, and we loved rock concerts with the lasers and the explosions and with the music. Music can draw, um, uh, inspire feelings in people that, that that are really strong and and really good for an entrance. To get the people as keyed up as you are, to get them psyched for what you're about to go in that ring and do, you want the crowd with you, and it feels good when they are. And that music has got to be there. So this is all kind of what we were doing all along now the the stuff with the acrobatic stuff i don't like that if um, because it's it, it, the the it has to be all about beating your man it has your opponent is number one not doing tricks that may just happen in the match but i uh, may just fancy curry but i don't think a man should get in there and do acrobats my dad told me not to be an acrobat when i was a kid and i tried not to be but uh so yeah i, I wouldn't acrobat unless, we just uh, defeat our man, and so however it gets, comes it comes about is okay with me, really. Okay, and and you know, let's get back here to, to MLW a bit and, and the work that Ross and Marshall are doing. You know, uh, why why do you think that MLW is the the big platform they've landed on here right now? I would imagine after the incredible Dark Side of the Ring episode uh, about your family, which we can talk about later. You know, there was a lot of attention around you guys. Was MLW just the first to reach out, or, or were there a couple offers? I guess that they were weighing. Oh no, they they've always uh, they, you know they they talked to WWE and all the the big companies, but they they didn't want to do that. They wanted to, um, they kind of have an idea what they want out of their life. I'm quite glad to hear that. So uh, it's it's not that at all. It was that they, uh, yeah, they, I guess they they would say that they're not ready. I'd say they are, but they know exactly what they mean at the time. They didn't. They just, when you go to WWE, it's going to be every day every for months on end and or and you know how long you work it's just it, it, they don't want to do that right now they live in hawaii they're living and they're with their dad and they're learning stuff you know it's just they're traveling all over the world and it, or they have been these you know they were they went to the uh dojos in japan to start out they've been to the, the middle east and the and the south american they've seen all these different styles and it's kind of really what i wanted for them to be diverse be able to uh to surprise somebody, to uh, to be able to to surprise everybody, and so uh, I'm telling you, I'm excited about it because I know this is a, a great day coming, and this MLW are just a bunch of hungry young killer cats, and that's what I want my boys to be, uh, the guys that are going to keep making exciting shows, going to keep the people watching, that's going to make the people watch, and then my boys will be performing in front of big crowds, and that's uh, once the people see them, then. It's a lot to fall in. Well, so yeah, and you know, you talk yeah. about big crowds. It, it doesn't get bigger than the Von Erichs in Dallas. Of course, your sons are getting to go with MLW here to Dallas in September. You know, what are your what are your expectations for that night? I mean, is there any chance maybe we see you in their corner or something like that when the time comes? 
I'm kind of playing it by ear. We've got three months till the show, so we'll see. But I'm sure it'll go great. I'm gonna. I think I'll be in their corner, and uh, somebody said something about a manager. I'm not a manager, but I'll be in the corner, and I'll just uh, I'll just deal with what comes up, you know. But uh, I don't plan on getting involved. But uh, but you know, it's uh, I'm planning on watching them, and they'll and I, every time I watch them, I just love it, man. They do something different every time, and they remind me so much of my brothers and myself, even my dad. The way Marshall reminds me of my dad when he was such a I'm just uh, tearing the bars down. You remember my dad and the old, maybe you don't, Nick, but uh, my dad was probably one of the uh, the best ever. I remember he was the, he was the world champ. Uh, he beat Nick Kanis- Gene Kaniski, and uh, and uh, those were days of man. Those were the, those were the days of wrestling. You know, eighties I mean, uh, were great days too, and and all. But uh, you should have seen my dad wrestle. He was something. It really reminds me of Marshall. It's it's amazing because you know you talk about the current state, you, you the current state of pro wrestling. You talk about the, these generations before, and it is like so many generational athletes right now picking up the torch, helping to bring this next generation in here. Yeah, one of them. Uh, a big, well, there sure are. And one big one right now is uh, the son of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, Cody Rhodes. Uh, you know, picking up that torch for his family, starting a whole promotion here with AEW. Uh, what do you think about the work that Cody's doing right now to, to help bring some competition here to the pro wrestling landscape? I love that kid. I love his family. And that kid is a solid, good businessman. I expect great things from him. And somebody like him is on, and we're going to have a, a new day in wrestling. I'm telling you, it's just, it's like a, t- I can hear this bomb ticking right now. It's going to go off. A, a great, a great day is coming. I'm just, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah. You know, and take me back here a little bit. You know, I don't know that you and Dusty shared a lot of time in the ring, but what was your relationship like with him? I mean, did you guys have any, did you have any favorite memories of the man that was? With who? Dusty, with Dusty you mean? Yeah, Dusty is dead. Oh, yeah, sure. Dusty's a, everybody, everybody loves Dusty. He's hard. He's kind of impossible not to like. You know, we didn't wrestle very, uh, each other very often, but we yeah. were, you know, because we were both, uh, you know, uh, both good guys, kind of, but we, uh, you know, we're, we're tags and we go in Japan a lot, you know, Russ, Dustin and I do each other real well, but they're all family, you know, and so we all know each other pretty much. Yeah. It's it, just, uh, yeah, it was a good family. And, uh, and that's what got me about MLW. One thing I really was excited, all the second generation of wrestlers, these are guys that, that their heart is, is follow it. Their heart is after wrestling. They, I wanted to be just like my dad, you know, my brothers did too. I know that's natural. That is in a young man to want to be like his father. And I see all these young guys. I know exactly how they feel. My sons are, I was that way. My sons are that way. And it's just, you just see something about second generation wrestlers just to have a little something extra they bring to the table. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And there's a lot of second generation guys in, out there today. You brought up a funny that's word there. You said heart. A lot of guys with heart. Hearts, heart foundation back yeah. in MLW as well. I know that the hearts and the Von Erichs, your families have a lot of crossover, a lot of history together. Uh, what do you think of the, the oh, new yeah. Heart Foundation? And, you know, what do you think of the idea of restarting that rivalry, I guess, in MLW? Well, I'll tell you this. If if, if, it's, if you're talking about the Hearts, then it's going to uh, – Brett, Owen, uh, Nelson, um, Stu Hart, that, that family. If you're talking about – they're going to give 100% wherever they're in the ring and they're going to give all, got, all they have. And to beat them, you better be bring your A game. And so – that's exactly what I'm looking for for the boys. Talent, uh, uh, talent like that, where they will have to give all they've got. I'm telling you, Nick, there's no better feeling than to wake up in the morning sore, hurting like you, like you were in a football game, 
but uh, even like 10 times worse than a football game. It's a great feeling to be all beat up and know you gave it all you had and won that match. The only way you can have that is to do it. I mean, it's not, it's hard to put put words to, to tell you, but what a feeling of accomplishment when you work hard to accomplish a goal, you beat that man and you are the champ. It's a great feeling. And that's, I guess that's what we do it for. That's what my boys are, are there. And you, and you bring the hearts to the ring. That's what they're, that's what they're all about too. And so it's going to be all in when you're with one of them or with the roads, the hearts, the, any of us, it's, they, they, that's the most important thing in the world to them. And you'll see it when they're in the ring. What do you, uh, what do you no think doubt. of the work of, of Davy Boy Smith Jr. in particular, Harry Smith in the, in the following in the footsteps of his dad, the British Bulldog? Uh, another good, now he was a great athlete. Davy Boy was, he was something not too bad to see these enlightening kids. Uh, uh, such good athletes. And, and I see their sons come. I can't wait to watch them. I don't know a lot, of, a lot about them. So I haven't been able to watch, but I, but I, when, when I, you know, I want to watch the whole thing. I want to be able to sit down and watch because I remember their dads, how they moved, what their strengths were, what their weaknesses were. And I want to see how they uh, beat that or, or worked with it, what they've done about it. You know, and it's, uh, it's so much fun. I love to be a, a fan now. I'm not a wrestler anymore. I'm a fan. I guess because of my sons, but yeah. It's a great, it's a great time to be a fan. Yeah, well, you know, you're a fan, but uh, you know, you've you've got a mind for the business. You know, Kevin, you're Kevin Von Erich. You know, guys like Dusty, okay. they found their they found their way backstage in WWE. You know, I hear about Cornette being backstage with MLW. I mean, have you had any talks with with MLW or anyone about possibly moving into a a trainer, producer, agent role, something like that for a promotion? Well, it, whatever comes up, I'll deal with as it does, but. I just want to give them my best. All those young guys out there, good luck to you. You know, stay hard, stay, you know, all in like you are, and and keep God with you. Remember, there's no, there's nothing that you, you can train all you can. You can fight. You can give it all you've got. There's always that little something extra that that comes so important in those final minutes of the match. That's good to have prayer in your life. You know that you can do something. That, do it. It's something that's impossible. Well, that's when you need God, and so. There are two. It's just a good feeling to be an athlete, to get the best, and need and need God. Need to. I mean, when you're in, it's kind of hard to tell somebody that's not a wrestler, I suppose. But when you want to give it all you've got, you know, it comes. You've got to train right. You've got to eat right. You've got to sleep right. I mean, it's a it's a 24 hour a day job. You know, it's a, a commitment, a devotion. But it's a, it, it all pays off in the ring. It's a hard life, but it it pays off when you when you have that strap. You know, and when you you look at the little kids' faces and you see all the fans freaking out. It's a, it's a good feeling to know that you, you did it. You know. Now, uh, I'll switch gears here a little bit. What do you think of Vince McMahon and his vision for professional wrestling? Uh, I want you to enlighten me to that. What, is, what, 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 what do you mean? What is his, his vision? No, I, I mean, like, the way his presentation style of WWE, the way he runs his business, you know, the, the overall feel – of the WWE. I mean, what, what do you think of the way Vince runs his company, I guess? Uh, yeah, I, I can't really say, I can only say that there, uh, I don't really watch a lot of TV. I have to say, I don't, uh, um, I guess I just, uh, how much rice can a Chinaman eat? I guess I'd say I'm not a real TV watcher, but I do. Um, so I can't really comment on that. I just want my, my sons, if my son's involved, I'm watching that, but I, I, and I will watch people that they're going to be in the ring with or somebody that's like their talent or whatever. But um, I can't really comment on Vince, except I know they're, you know, they're out there hitting it too. And uh, they got good, solid men, good athletes. And, uh, and uh, 
God bless all of them. I wish the best luck to all of them. What was it like for you living through the period where Vince was going around and, and buying up territories and, and launching WrestleMania? Oh, it was just like you said, like another change, a transition, the business going from this to that. Because Vince did that, so many guys were able to to live so much better than for Nick. Remember, we're professional wrestlers. I, I to this day, I don't have insurance. I've never been able to have insurance except when I wrestled for WWE or worked for WWE those five years. It's just all the injuries, all the, you know, it's too big a risk, you know. And uh, it's funny to hear these people talking about in politics about free health care. You ask a wrestler, none of us have health care. <laughs> but, but anyway, I don't go to go down that street. But anyway, <laughs> well, I mean, we, it's just how it is. Well, the I, injuries, you know. You, well, I mean, do you think that the pro, pro wrestlers, you know, especially working for a big company like WWE, do you think that they should have health insurance? Do you think they should be treated like employees? Of course they should. Of course they should, and they do. They do treat them like that. It's that's what I'm saying. A big company can do that, but these independent guys, they're just taking their life in their hands out there, you know, just like they have to do it, just how it is. But it's because there's, you know, that's they're forced. It would be great though if there was retirement and uh, compensation for them when when they were injured because they're going to get hurt. I mean, no doubt about that. Part of wrestling is dealing with injuries. That's part of it. But it would be better if there was such a thing is lay off like you're supposed to and in football when you're injured you lay off but in wrestling unfortunately you have to make yourself do it and sometimes that you have to get extreme you have to lift when you can't and things like that but you know it's tough yeah. so if it would be great if there, if there was if there was you know some kind of consideration compensation for guys that were like that and i'm glad vince does that the wwe does that so Okay. Good for them. Now, now, real quickly, just to slow down, too, you said something else that that was interesting. So, when, so did your health insurance from WWE come from when you became a Hall of Famer? Was that included as part of your induction? No, no, it was just working for WWE. You're insured. You have their you're under their policy. You know, it just uh, that's what I meant. Didn't anything to do with Hall of Fame. Oh, okay, cool. Just, just wondering. Just to ask you questions here. Um, now, uh, I, I did a little research here to you, uh, on you as well, going into this more about your career. Um, and I got to find out a lot about the feud with Devon Erickson, the Freebirds, which I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, you guys, you, you, you had this match here with Ric Flair in the cage with Michael Hayes as this guest referee that really kind of blew up into the feud, the feud with the Freebirds. I just didn't know if you wanted to take me back real quick and talk a little bit about that, that cage match here that jump-started everything and just what it was like to work with the Freebirds there at the height of that popularity there in the 80s. Well, uh, Nick, I'll tell you, it was, uh, it, it was, you know, it was, they were great athletes, good, uh, good competition and all that, but I don't want to take anything away from guys like, you know, I must say Chris Adams and, uh, Gina Hernandez, you know, we, we go to Israel and just lit the country on fire over there and they've never heard of the Freebirds. Yeah. You know, we go to Japan with this, uh, Kabuki and Dragon and it's, you know, sellouts in the stadium there too. It's uh, not sellouts, but I mean, great houses, great, uh, response and i don't want to take anything away from these people I, I work with i remember ox baker and uh, big john stud and uh bruiser brody and uh and some good you know good men in the early days of world class i remember michael hayes made a comment and he jokes around a lot and i know he he could not have been serious here but he said back in those days no one went to texas to further their career and then nothing could be further from the truth texas was the hottest place it always was and, and when uh the Freebirds came to Texas. Texas was on fire when they got there. So, uh, and it just kept on. But it was like a, Texas has always been a real strong wrestling market. You know, it's just uh, probably some of the good work my dad put in all those years. It's just been taken care of. But it's just 
good athletes in Texas, guys that are just rough, rough country boys that like to get out there and go after it. And at West Texas State, you know, turned out all those good pros. And uh, and uh, there's a, you know, Texas is a, just a, a rough place. It's made for pro wrestling, and it's just uh, Australia kind of too, you know. It's uh, but there's you know tough folk, tough people all over Texas, all over America. So. Uh, or you know, put one folk place over. I just grew up in Texas, so I know about that one. Sure, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a new world. But if I were to say, you know, the Freebirds, uh, you know, I, I don't want to take away from Chris and Gino because they were so good. I don't think Chris, I think Chris, Gino Hernandez can't be was will never be matched. The kind of heel he was, he was one of the best. And Chris Adams, uh, you know, I like to, I like when I get in the ring. People know me, Nick. I like to be solid. I like to be. Uh, if, if I like to get in there and do it, and if if it's if it's not that way, then uh, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to give it all I got, and uh, and I want my opponent to do the same thing. Well, that's what I admire about Chris Adams. He never complained. He just fought me back, and that's when you do that. It's great TV, and it's it's just the way to do it. It's the new. It's the new way for the, the business. I guarantee you, this is where the business is headed into it that day that we're looking for nick it's gonna be great uh uh yeah you know and you brought up gino hernandez uh you know obviously you had your your episode of dark side of the ring but there was the gino hernando ep- episode as well i mean what did you did you get a chance to check that out and what did you think of the revelation that was kind of made in there about you know how he he could have passed and the fact that there may not be an interference you know from the, the mob or whatever it sounded like yeah i know i don't know nick it was like uh that was such a strange thing see i was in japan when that happened and like you know, something they say telephone, telegraph, telewrestler. Yeah. I mean, we know. I was coming out of the hotel in Japan. This is like just hours after it happened, I guess. And they told me about it, and it was just hit me like a ton of bricks. I never would have thought that, but Gino, uh, all that other stuff about the uh, the mafia and all, no, I didn't know any. I, I knew that he was uh, uh, betting on football games, and those were really, uh, those were kind of mafia guys that did all that. But that's about all I knew about it. I didn't know you know what Gino was into we were all traveling so much we, our our business was so hot back then all our guys were on the road you know and so I, I wasn't in town when all that was going on I was in Mexico and Japan uh pre, I mean I, was, I did uh two tours of Japan just that month and a two and a five uh, uh, uh I did a two week and a five week tour and uh was barely home and so uh yeah I, I it was just terrible I didn't really gain anything from the uh, you know, from the vice, the, all the stuff that I'd heard was that's all. all it was all new to me, Nick. I really can't say on that. I, no. I, I, I would just say that those guys are dangerous, and uh, and you know, I don't know what all they did, and I can't really comment. But uh, it, it was really enlightening. I think those things that those dark side of the ring things they did were some of those enlightening pieces I've ever seen done. Yeah, well, talk to me a little about your episode. I mean, I'm not kidding. I was on the edge of my seat for an hour straight watching the last of the Von Erichs. You know, I feel like I was being taken to school, you know, a lot of ways. I was at pro wrestling school learning so much about the business. You know, how did you feel that episode in particular, your episode about your family? How do you you feel that came out? Oh, I think it was... uh... I'm just hoping that it can that it helps somebody. Yeah, I think it it, it it came out well. You know, I want people to know that my it, it would be easy to think that my father was a big, mean, tough guy that forced his kids to wrestle, and that wasn't the case. My dad was a good, honorable, good man, and uh, there were things that were that would make people think otherwise. But the truth is, he had cancer at the time and brain cancer, and so I give him a pass. And my mother, she lost those sons, and 
how can you blame her for her behavior? Those two just suffered, and death just uh, took them down. I don't have anything that I could, uh, only good words for them, and they suffered so much, and my mother just, uh, she kind of lost it, you know, and my, my poor dad just, uh, you know, it was hell for both of them. But, you know, it's over now, and uh, if I can, if somebody else can benefit from it and realize that don't commit suicide. There is never a reason to commit suicide. There is such a thing as a devil, and he wants you dead. And so don't listen to that crap. You keep your mind in a good, clean, strong place where you know you it should be, and don't entertain those stupid thoughts. Suicide is ridiculous. You should never think like that. There's just that's just giving your life to giving your that your whole life to the devil. Why? Why? Don't be a loser. Be a winner. Fight. When you if you get take, give the easy way. Then you'll get losers' pay. You fight for it, you get winners' pay. That's about as easy as I can put it, Nick. Uh, that's so well said, uh, Kevin. Very, very well said. Uh, and, you know, uh, one of the other episodes, you know, I thought it was so interesting, especially with this series, the six episodes they did, how all the stories I felt did intertwine a bit in a way. I know that you were also very close with Bruiser Brody. I mean, how do you think they did uh, telling the story of what happened there uh, in his in his final moments, I guess? Well, yeah, uh, now that is something there. When I watched the, that with Brody, uh, I knew I've talked to Tony Atlas and he told me, you know, told me what went on down there. I was really upset about that. I didn't know that, uh, I didn't know he was working with Abdullah. And uh, to hear Abdullah talk like that, I was, I was, uh, uh, I didn't like that. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't have anything bad to say about Abdullah, but know that uh, Brody was a, was a good man. He would. Unfortunately, Boozer Brody was a top guy that would really lay into a, a smaller guy. And a lot of us won't do that. You know, if somebody's smaller than us, or even if he's got a big mouth on him, you know what's going to happen if you hit him. And so you don't. Well, a lot of guys don't think like they went that. My buddy Frank was one of them. Uh, he would smash anybody or <laughs> any time. But, you know, he's Boozer Brody. You should have known that before you got in the ring with him. So, <laughs> but, uh, God bless Barbara and all them and his son. So uh, I just hope they're doing great. What a good man Bodie was. Wonderful. And, you know, uh, I, I, you know, another controversial character I wanted to ask you about coming out of this was the last episode, Fabulous Moolah. I mean, I don't know how well you knew Moolah or if you had any opinions on her, you know, one way or another. There seems to be a camp of people that think she was like this horrible person. Another camp of people that seem to think she gave, she gave quite a bit to the business. That's right. I would be one of those people. Now, I don't know a lot of that because kind of in my dad's day, but from my dad being president of the NWA all those years and me seeing what I saw from the girl wrestlers, yes, Moolah gave so much to the business. She took care of those girls. She, she, they lived in her house even. It was like, uh, I'd hate to think, I wouldn't say anything bad about Moolah. I hate to think anybody would because she did, uh, in my opinion, do a whole lot for the business. As far as this behind the scenes kind of stuff, I don't know anything about gossip except it's hardly ever any good. And so uh, I'm not going to comment on anything bad. I don't really think bad about Lula. Only what I can say that I have a lot of respect for from what I know about her. All right. Uh, well, lastly here, I, I did want to ask you, you know, I brought it up earlier when we connected. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring him up. Uh, we have a mutual friend in Bill After. I love Bill. Uh, I know you're very close. I, I know you're very close with Bill. He's been a mentor to me. Uh, I didn't know if you had any faith. He, he talks. Kevin, I'm not going to lie. He talks a lot about you and your family. He talks about being ringside in Dallas, taking all the photos of some of the biggest moments in all of Von Eric history. I didn't know if you had any memories or stories or anything about Bill that, that you'd like to share here on the show. Well, I'd like, I'll believe, I believe you. I believe he does talk because Bill, 
has been everywhere with us. Bill has done everything with us, and Bill knows us real well. Bill's a real family friend, and uh, he started out with, as a little kid in the, those wrestling magazines, and we were little kids too, but wrestlers, and, and with George and Paul Toner too, we are all kids, and Jimmy Suzuki over in Japan, what a great time we had, doing some really good articles together for people. It was fun for all of us too. <laughs> I like George, and I like uh, 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 <laughs> I get Bill after too. <laughs> I could make this name. Yeah, Bill after. Charisma. He's everybody likes Bill. How could you not? <laughs> oh. Have you ever been out to karaoke with Bill? Has he ever sang songs for you? No, thank goodness. Oh. I'm going to avoid that one. No, <laughs> I don't want him singing songs to me. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Not the worst night out on the town is Bill crooning to you. Um, well, Kevin, I mean, Kevin, you've been, you've been wonderful to chat with here. I took a little bit more time of yours than I expected here, but man, just so awesome to hear your thoughts on, on everything right now. And, uh, especially about your sons here, Ross and Marshall. I didn't know if you wanted to wrap us up and talk to me a little bit about, you know, what's next for you. What's next for Ross? What's Mar- next for Marshall and where you see the Von Eric legacy going from here? Oh, Nick, I don't, don't worry about it. I love, I love the business. I, and since the boys, my sons have come along, it's really, I knew kind of a new excitement about it too and so call me anytime i'll be glad to talk to you about wrestling i love to i'm and, and so uh, you're not bothering me a bit i had a great time today and uh, i'm going to come to dallas i think and watch my sons I, i'm not for sure if I'm, I'm going to but i want to come to dallas nice. i'm hoping that maybe i can work that out and, you know i have a terrible time flying you know and so but i have a friend that's got a learjet and he wants me to come to see him and uh, i just might do that now he's got a He's got a way I can lay down on that plane, and if I can do that, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> I got a really bad back anyway, but <laughs> but, Nick, but Nick, it was a lot of fun, man, and and good luck to you. I hope you have a great story, a good article, and uh, and call me anytime. Will do. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show to talk all things professional wrestling for the past five plus days. And thank you again, Kevin Von Eric. I couldn't I couldn't have enjoyed that conversation more. I'm glad to he- I'm glad to know. You also enjoyed that, and I hope you all out there enjoyed it as well. Tomorrow we'll be back on the show with two more uh, big interviews. Uh, I'm going to be chatting with Impact Wrestling's newest producer, D'Lo Brown, is going to be in the house. Excited, very ecstatic to talk to D'Lo, bringing that conversation here to you guys tomorrow. Also, Capital Wrestling's Matthew Ryan is going to be on the show tomorrow in my first installment of the Get to Know a Promoter series Mm. that I'm going to be doing here, where I'm going to talk to different uh, it, big name, a bigger company, uh, wrestling promoters on the show from time to time. Uh, Maddie Ryan, Capital Wrestling, doing great work. Uh, so big show tomorrow uh, with those two uh, on on as well. Uh, if you like the uh, audio we're putting out here, you like the Winkley, you like our post shows, you like everything we do, go over to the Wrestling Inc. iTunes store, five-star ratings, nice comments. Always appreciated. And, uh, you know, it was a big weekend for pro wrestling this past weekend. It's going to be another big weekend for pro wrestling this weekend. I'm going to be on site in Jacksonville covering the fight for the Fallen, AEW's latest uh, offering. So uh, be sure to check our social media channels and the site for updates coming out of that. Of course, we'll have our coverage on the site of that as well. We're also going to have our coverage and post show uh, of the Extreme Rules going on this Sunday night. And also this Saturday, we have uh, the Evolved 10th Anniversary Show. We'll be doing coverage of that. And GCW's Homicide 5150, a tribute uh, to Homicide. That's going to be going on Saturday as well. So four shows over the weekend. So call off all your plans. Tell your wife and kids that daddy's going to the den because there's wrestling afoot this weekend. And Wrestling Inc. is the place to be. Michael, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show? 
Well, you mentioned all the great shows happening. I had this idea last week. I was going to compare Fighter Fest and uh, Stomping Grounds, compare WWE to AEW show. And I said, why am I doing this? Let's wait till the two shows that are going on the same weekend. Yeah. The two big shows, compare those two. So I'm going to be working on coming out of the weekend a piece, hopefully comparing um, Fight for the Fallen against a uh, WWE's Extreme Rules pay-per-view. But you can always follow me. I am on Twitter, at The Real Wiseman, to keep up with all of my musings about professional wrestling, all my latest articles. Uh, I have a pitch coming up. Nick, I'm going to be uh, hopefully pitching you and Raj an idea about, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with Spider-Man. If you watch the post-game shows, you see my poster behind me every every time. So, um, Bonesaw, played by Randy Savage, like great Randy Savage in the original Spider-Man movie. But I'd love to look at all of the professional wrestling cameos in comic book movies. think that'd be a lot of fun. So, stay tuned to my social media for that one. And as always, I have two cute cats, an adorable puppy, Follow me on Instagram. I am at wiseman.ma for random photos of me, my life, and such and such. So. And I am at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>